Welcome, everyone, to the Daredevil Podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that we're doing one more before we say adios until Daredevil Season 2. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. What you talking about, Matt? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, now Daredevil. Uh, I am pretty much in need of having my lower half of my body amputated from the assault of Marvel Cinematic TV in 2015. But you know what? It's all worth it. Absolutely it is. And uh, today, one last look back at season one of Daredevil. And Pete, let's start with the season highlights. What, uh, what tickled your fancy? Well, if you're top item on your season highlights isn't the performance of vincent d'onofrio you're not doing it right pete this is a wonderful and capable and professional acting company but vincent d'onofrio no pun intended certainly is the kingpin of it all there is such depth such subtlety to his performance as wilson fisk and such pathos where as you have noted many many times before there are definitely moments in the story where he is the hero and uh, the the once and future daredevil, the villain. I wouldn't go that far, but what I have said before, I'll echo again. They put him through all the traditional beats reserved for the hero, albeit under the auspices of the villain. Um, his His call to action, his uh, falling in love, his need to protect the woman he falls in love with. Uh, even the the awkward courtship that goes on there and his origin story. You could argue it is more his show than the titular characters. Well, I know another highlight for me was the way in which this this serial story unfolded. You think back to the early episodes where it's not entirely clear why Nobu and Madame Gao and Leland and the Russians are all working together. But then you look back at those episodes from the vantage point of the end of the season, and it's just so clear. And the show made this really interesting uh, kind of authorial decision to have our knowledge as the audience unfold with the knowledge that, uh, that Matt Murdock gets as he, as he enters this world. I would agree, and I think that the unfolding of those bad guys you talked about, you know, in the first episode, we see this kind of crime council-esque clandestine meeting in in a building that's under construction, and we're introduced to many of our principles between uh, Wesley and Leland and Gao and Nobu and the Ranskohoff brothers, the Russians, and to slowly unfurl them throughout the course of the season. And the first chapter is obviously the Russians, the the second chapter really being what happens uh, with the Japanese contingent. And, you know, not that it's ever completely capped, but then Madame Gao's uh, heroine empire and whatever her whole backstory is, we we're still not completely clear. But detailed, nuanced, sophisticated villains. Absolutely, and that uh, that is somewhat unique to television. I think that we've seen that uh, in 
other Marvel TV properties to to varying degrees. But the idea that you really want to learn more about Madame Gao, uh, perhaps that's uh, something to discuss when we look ahead to season two in a bit. Um, the fact that even the lowly Rantikov brothers, who, as we discussed before, were basically kind of one-note characters, kind of dullards and thugs, but there's there's a place well, a in the real world. What a background story, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. breaking open another guy's chest to make uh, shivs out of his, his ribs. And, uh, you know, just one other highlight I wanted to get to, Matt, um, Scott Glenn's portrayal as Stick, albeit in one episode, so faithful to the source material, yet at the same time, so original of a performance. The the sarcasm mixed with some genuine concern and care for uh, Matt Murdock, easily my favorite episode of the season and the series thus far. Well, then, I have to mention one more performance. Toby Leonard Moore as Wesley. I mean, it's it's difficult, no doubt, for an actor to be playing um, second fiddle to somebody of greater fame in Vincent D'Onofrio, let alone somebody who in D'Onofrio is just playing every note in the, in the actor's uh, keyboard. But Wesley was such a wonderful character, nuanced himself, had a dignity to him, had all these little character moments which were achieved through acting, not through dialogue or through action. And, uh, I mean, if there's one great loss heading into season two, uh, it'll be his absence. Um, you know, obviously other characters died along the way, but I think for my money, he's the one that we will miss the most. The most shocking death of the first season to be sure, given that, you know, we associate, um, Wilson Fisk with his major domo there and to kill him was bold, um, you're not going to replace him. You're not. And what Toby Leonard Moore brought with his performance, it's it's certainly going to be difficult. I would think they're just going to need to move on without having a, a second uh, guy, a lieutenant, if you will, in that place. Uh, you know, as as much as he gave you with the few lines that he had, the the gentleman who played Francis is is a guard. He's not a he's not a second in command. Pete, an area of speculation as we headed into the series, previewing the series, was how much integration Daredevil would have with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, obviously, some of this construction that's being done, the kind of the, the preamble, if you will, is uh, a leftover of the Battle of New York uh, from the first Avengers film. But we had no kind of S.H.I.E.L.D. moment, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. moment, no kind of you know, even the smallest of crossovers. We had no look ahead to AKA Jessica Jones, the next Marvel Netflix series. Do you think that that lack of integration was good or bad? I'm told that there was a scene filmed with Clark Gregg. Uh, we know that he was in New York uh, as filming had commenced on Daredevil. They film on separate coasts and that they made the decision to not push that connection. Um, we know that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. focused very heavily from December on, on its inhuman uh, subplot. And I think the concern was mu why muddy the waters 
why potentially make this connection when it seems as though they are unconnected simultaneously i'm kind of surprised we never got at least a mention of shield as an organization or anything like that but we're hearing rumblings there will be greater connection with daredevil to aka jessica jones while, of course, uh, we and uh, head of Marvel Television, Jeff Loeb, view Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as the uh, as the mothership, I think that at the end of the day, if you honestly look at these 13 Daredevil scripts, there was not a place to have that crossover. And it Agreed. should be story first. Agreed. Completely. And I think they, from the Daredevil side, said... You know, surely the the mothership's willing to to lend its star and its its biggest link to all of the movies. They didn't need it. Um, not that that's a desperate move, but that they were able to get the response that they have. This is per capita Netflix most watched uh, show ever. Um, uh, what was it? Eleven percent of the 4 million Netflix users have watched at least one episode. To to return to the story point of view for a moment, unless you are Matt Murdock for all 13 episodes or Foggy for the last couple, maybe if you throw a stick in there, no one in that universe has any idea that, uh, that Daredevil is a person of any... Um, importance whether it's in terms of powers whether it's in terms of impact in his uh you know in his community um even just were he a mere man um even then his impact is not known he's just kind of a nut who's beating up cops that's that's the feeling halfway through the, the the season and there really is nothing that would bring agent colson to come investigate powered people or that sort of thing so Again, I would have loved to see that moment. Um, maybe they bring that moment into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but don't bring it back to Daredevil or vice versa. Um, maybe it's a scene that, that 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 gets added. I mean, Netflix doesn't really do much in terms of deleted scenes or, or extras. I know that there were uh, commentary tracks added to uh, at least the first season of House of Cards ahead of the second season premiering, but maybe that's something too. Ooh, let's go back and rewatch episode. You know, rewatch the Daredevil series. They've added Coulson footage somewhere. You know, maybe that becomes a fun game for we the audience and and um, you know, kind of marketing bit for them. But in this initial or perhaps final version of the first season, it's it's okay to not have that connection out there. I agree. With that, Pete, why don't you put on your own black mask, take up the mantle of spoiler, Pete, look into the future. What will season two bring us? Will Vanessa be Kingpin 2.0? I know I have a theory I'd like to push in a moment, but uh, what what do you think is ahead for us? I think they were strongly uh, showing a hand for a possible season two in the finale with uh, the fateful conversation where Fisk tells Vanessa something between scenes of the police arriving at his penthouse and her heading off in a helicopter with uh, Francis and uh, a pilot from their organization. Where did she go? What are they doing? Uh, The other thing, of course, um, 
we should definitely expect to see that I think could potentially carry over to the other Netflix uh, series would be Madame Gao being out there as a villain, as an antagonistic force in this universe. Oh, I love that theory. That really would be a ton of fun. She, the most uh, presumably meek of the uh, the rogues gallery when first we met them in the first episode and the idea that uh, she and whatever mystical connection she has uh, could could tie into the other series and into future seasons. That's uh, That is wonderful indeed. Pete, I'll share a theory that I may have shared on the uh, season finale podcast, uh, you know, for episode 113, of course. Um, frankly, it's a bit of a blur with all the 40, what was it, 43 hours of Marvel television that we've done uh, since September. It's a, it's a bit of a blur, but... And 33 since January. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely a, a well-earned summer rest ahead, but... Uh, Pete, here's here's a storyline I'd like to pitch you. Vanessa, as as a de facto head of whatever is left of the organization, perhaps living abroad, um, needs somebody to kind of act as the muscle back in New York City. Needs needs um, you know a soldier of fortune. Here's my theory: she hires Punisher Frank Castle to be the villain in the beginning of season two, and by the end of it, of course, the uh, the wary hero crown is put upon his head. Um, but, you know, there, there, there's a great history in the comics of Daredevil and Punisher interactions. And um, I'm not quite making it a prediction, but I'm saying it's it's a bit of a wish list for season two. I think Marvel Studios views Punisher as too much of its own potential property to push that on season two of daredevil i think i hope i want to potentially uh meet the greek uh student who was in um matt's uh spanish class you know electra nachios her name sounds like a mexican appetizer we know that uh, at least a character of greek heritage who have who has studied uh, Spanish is in this universe. I think that could be great. And you bring in the Nachios family. Maybe they come in and they um, assume the straight and narrow of Fisk's criminal enterprise. Who knows? I also would really like to see a less comic book movie, more serious and grounded in reality, take on. Um, bullseye. <laughs> that certainly would be fun, given as how it it is uh, ridiculous by any standard. The bullseye presentation in the uh, the Daredevil film. I will, however, I'll disagree with one thing that you said that that um, Marvel views Punisher as being able to to hold up its own, um, you know, movie, TV show, whatever it might be. I'm not totally disagreeing, but. All of these other characters have some sort of um, comic book hook, you know, as as Pathos uh, directed um, uh, Daredevil is. You know, there still is like cool superpowers and ninja stuff. You know, Punisher at his core, it's a dead family. It's a it's a guy who's just out to kill. Um, 
there's there's a greater deal of violence than uh, than we have with uh, Daredevil, who will throw a guy off a five story building into a dumpster, and he's going to live. Um, so I wonder if maybe Marvel is sitting around going, "Well, we have all this stuff. Can we use this for a movie? Can we use it for a TV show? You know what? Guy with a gun running around and shooting people, not going to exactly." You know, it might cause problems for the Marvel brand, but if you weave him in and out of of some of these properties, I don't know. I to me personally, I think that's a better use considering you know the discussion of guns and so on and so forth going on in this country and abroad. But I guess certainly time will tell. Well, Matt, regardless of our feedback for season two, let's look at some of your feedback for season one. One of the surefire ways to get our attention is to leave an iTunes review, either under the Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek on iTunes or the all-inclusive pop culture podcast by fantastic geek and uh we have two reviews today to the daredevil podcast the first was left by jonas 552 four stars the headline is really good and it reads this podcast is really good super informative and the hosts really know their stuff the mix of humor and knowledge is always appreciated i have followed along with the podcast um with watching the show and it has been really enjoyable. The only negative in my opinion is there too, too much sucking on the Marvel teat. By that, I mean there is just so much praise for Marvel that is that it almost gets sickening quote. This is a Marvel female. So we know she is going to be able to dot, dot, dot end quote. Quote, this is a Marvel show, so you know that, dot, 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 end quote. Quote, a great thing Marvel does, dot, 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 end quote. Quote, Marvel always does, dot, 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 end quote. I am not a DC guy or a Marvel guy. I consider myself to be a fan of both, and I know the podcast is attached to Marvel. But it is, feels like, I'm, I'm reading just the way it's written, <laughs> uh, so a little sick there. It is, feels like Marvel is being shoved down my throat. This podcast can stand on its own without the constant praise to Marvel. Other than that, please keep up the great work. Well, certainly appreciate the four stars. Certainly appreciate the kind praise there. All I can say uh, about my thoughts of uh, of Marvel boil down to this. I have enjoyed a number of the DC shows out there to to varying degrees. I was a huge Smallville fan in the beginning, and that kind of faded away. Um, I've seen the first season of Flash, which was a ton of fun, a bit of a guilty pleasure because it does not run terribly deep. Um, seen some of Arrow, didn't exactly love it, a bit soapy for my tastes. To my to my eyes, as a consumer of all sorts of television, even beyond the comic brand, I'm I watch some reality stuff. You know, where Pete, where we we live tweet Walking Dead when it's new, um, serious dramas, old and new. You know, I mean, I better call Saul, okay, Game of Thrones, all these types of things. 
And to me, the the Marvel TV and well, we'll, we'll stick with Marvel TV because the, the movies, you know, are, are obviously much more periodic. Um, the Marvel TV brand, uh, and, and I'm sorry, you know, praise alert here. They are so on their game in terms of um, breaking the mold. Uh, the I know the first the first quote there, you know, Marvel women. Um, I mean, that's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, despite me, you know, not being a lady. Uh, as the father of a daughter, I look on the TV landscape and I see um, lots of women who on the surface should be role models. And I'll use Flash as an example. Again, Flash, totally fun show, totally love it. You know, the female characters play second banana to the male characters, at least as far as I've seen Flash first half of the first season. Women in Marvel television are scientists, are soldiers, are are pilots, are you know capable of heroes, beating the Matt. crap out of men. He- heroes, Agent heroes. Carter. You have any idea how high Agent Carter tests with women as a character? She is ABC's second most popular character ever as a woman. Wow, uh, and, and you know I believe it. And and to stick with the woman topic for a moment, even in a show like Daredevil where, sorry, here's the reality. Kingpin is going to be your go-to bad guy in the first season. Matt Murdock is a guy and his best friend is a guy. You know, so you're not starting with a, with a fresh canvas there as you are with, say, Carter and S.H.I.E.L.D. But still, there's such power to to the world that Karen inhabits in terms of her ability to stand up for herself in this extremely frightening situation that she's thrown into. And she's somebody who is using her mind um, and her, I wasn't even going to say her personality. No, I mean, that's not, she is using her mind to navigate through this and to try and find justice and, and answers. Let's Vanessa, not leave out, uh, you know, Rosaria Dawson as Claire. Right, and- right pretty darn good female foil for the bad guy in uh vanessa somebody who is is willing to attempt to find redemption um in fisk to be kind of you know a la a mother figure to him but they don't stick with that um with that trope for too long because frankly she gets pulled into his orbit Showing that, you know, women aren't just saints and mothers and redeemers, that, that they can be pulled into whatever is in store for her for season two. So I certainly don't, you know, I, I don't mean to go through the entire list of, and, and he mentioned, and the reviewer mentioned this, and the reviewer mentioned that. But just to use the female topic as one example, in my opinion, what, what Marvel Television as a company and as a brand is doing across these different properties is so remarkable and so unique I think it deserves that praise and it deserves that mention. We certainly not beholden to them. We've the the most time I've spent talking to a Marvel employee is the nice guy who's one of the people at the the Marvel booth at New York Comic Con who I've chatted with for one minute two years ago and two minutes last year. Um, and both times he was really busy making sure that the line was moving. So that that's our entire connection to Marvel as a you know as a real organization or talking to those marvel people we are in no way beholden to them it's just it's just our take i'll be brief i come from a a journalistic background i'm always going to give you the uh praise along with the warts let me be brutally honest 
Marvel is doing a better job right now. If you can't objectively see that, then you're not looking at it. Um, I watched the Flash pilot. It, it wasn't my cup of tea. I've seen seconds of Arrow. Uh, that they have those two shows that are finally uh, connected on an awful TV network like the CW. Great. But it's but a boutique compared to what we're doing with this Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now you're going to throw Supergirl into the mix and the fact that you've got a completely unconnected cinematic universe, it, it holds no appeal to really, Matt, step down and go check out for me. Um, but again, I completely respect people who, who enjoy those. But, you know, to, to watch a Daredevil by comparison, it, it's just... Matt, it's, you know, the 27 Yankees and, and stickball. Truth, truth, truth. We have one more review. This by a uh, friend of the podcast, fan of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, this is actually a five-star review. Uh, this is the second review that fan of S.H.I.E.L.D. has, has left, amending an earlier review. The headline is, The Daredevil Gets His Due. And it reads... After watching the entire Daredevil season one, I decided to go back and listen to this podcast, then watch the episode that evening to catch what I missed. But Matt and Pete pointed out, I am happy to report Fantastic Geek receives a fantastic fifth star because even though their summary is the majority of the podcast, I'm glad they point out what they do. And I used it when I went back and watched the episode. I knew in Nelson v. Murdoch that Maverick and Goose was a Top Gun reference, but not that Foggy's flip-off of Matt was also a Top Gun reference. Can't wait to see what you do for AKA Jessica Jones, though I will be disappointed if you insert the audio clips and that results in one podcast a week. If it doesn't impede the rate of release, if it adds to the podcast, go for it. I'll be listening. Ooh, how very interesting kind of adding to that debate of of the form of our podcasts because we certainly spent a ton of time figuring out what is the best way to tackle Daredevil and we we chose it we were confident and I think you know after we uh after we kind of slip into summer properly we'll sit down and have a discussion you know what worked what didn't you know we'll do a proper proper postmortem because we want to keep things fresh um, and, uh, and indeed may find that, that we're happy with the way things were, but, uh, interesting there for, to hear from fan of shield that, um, that, uh, that, that release schedule is key to him. And, uh, I would welcome to hear more from other, uh, rather listeners in the, uh, in the various ways that something tells me, Pete, we're about to cover. Yeah. Uh, let us know certainly how you feel. Um, you know, Matt certainly has experience cutting up some audio and dropping it in. But, you know, as he mentioned in the uh, Daredevil podcast um, finale that we did for episode Daredevil, that um, it tends to take a little bit more time. Certainly does. But you know what takes no time at all, Pete? That's sending you a tweet. And how can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E -E 5,790 followers. K 
can't be wrong. And as always, while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in four fantastic ways. We are Fantastic Geek, that's fantastic with a PH, and you can be in touch with us under that name on the Gmail, the dot com, the Twitter, and wait, Pete, there's one more way. There is facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek spelled with a ph all one word just one other point of contact and an increasingly popular one at that so get yourself on there like us and you will see what everybody's talking about so before we say adios one more time just a couple of uh reminders we will of course be continuing the adventure this summer definitely much more laid back than the uh the great focus on daredevil but we'll be uh starting our star wars rebels commentary track podcast uh why next week we'll be starting it and um that'll be on the pop culture podcast feed so that'll be fantasticgeek.com and uh, you can also find the feed details on the website as well as well as on itunes um in the interim if there's any Daredevil news of note that happens, we certainly can uh, create a short episode for that, whether it's over the summer, the fall, whatever it might be. So, though it might be a while before uh, we even are previewing properly Daredevil Season 2, do say stay subscribed here for uh, the latest goings-on from uh, Old Hornhead. But indeed, Pete, the time has come for me to say but one more time, adios to all our listeners and give you the final, final, final season one word. Get out of here.